Welcome back to our podcast, Chronically Iconic Mistakes. I'm your host, Jocelyn. And your co-host, Raya. Betty Alexander was a 69-year-old grandmother who recently became a widow. Losing her husband was a substantial loss for her because he managed the day-to-day of their lives. Learning how to live without the love of her life, Betty was frequently staying over at her daughter's home that was not far from what I imagine was now a very lonely apartment. As Betty adjusted to her new life, weeks days turned into weekends days. Despite this, Betty did have plans to move in with her daughter in the near future. After all, Betty had developed dementia and was in the beginning stage of the disease. She was still very capable of living on her own, but she knew the day she would be unable to live alone was inevitable. The plan for the week was for Betty's daughter, Tanya, to pick her up after church Sunday. This was an unusual arrangement, as she typically visited each Thursday and went to Tanya's house for the weekends. This is like all of my nightmares wrapped into one. Like elderly lady, dementia. Losing her husband, like, what the fuck, children. (laughs) So much unfortunate (laughs) shit. On this particular Wednesday, Betty went out to City Hall at about 10.30 a.m. to change the name on her electrical bill. During her visit, employees noticed a man standing behind Betty that they described as scraggly. It is unknown if this strange man was there with her and if he perhaps drove her there. Once she returned home, Betty enjoyed the day and went outside to feel the sun on her face and garden before she returned to her apartment. Setting her glasses down on the arm of her chair, as she sat down for rest in her favorite recliner, putting the long day of gardening behind her. Now, we do not know exactly what happened after Betty sat down in her recliner that night. We have no idea why or how, but Betty vanished at approximately 7 p.m. on April 10th, 2019, in very mysterious circumstances, and her family is devastated. See, this is tough, too, because if she had dementia, like, I, I know you're going to tell me, like, what happened and shit, but there's, like, a really big chance that she just fucking walks off. So, like, it's really hard because dementia is obviously one of those things that can cause you to mysteriously vanish very easily. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not wrong. Um, however, like, she's in the beginning of... Like, the stages, like, she was just diagnosed, and it sounds like she's pretty functional still, actually. Like, she gardens, she hangs out at home. I mean, that's really all she does, and then she visits her daughter. So, like, her daughter sees her, like, every week and, like, knows where she's at. And can you also, like, imagine just vibing at City Hall and, like, people see you and they're like, I'm gonna describe that person as scraggly. I know, it's so horrible. (laughs) Like, I really don't like the descriptor used. (laughs) Like, that doesn't seem good, but okay. (laughs) I look like a homeless person, like, most of my life, so. Can you imagine, like, not abducting her and you were just, like, a stranger behind her and you're like, God damn it, somebody just called me scraggly. Yeah, I would, that would be my 13th reason. Dude, for fucking real. What we do know is that Betty received a delivery of fentanyl, ooh, that came out weird, fentanyl patches from her pharmacy that night, and shortly after the delivery, we could see that Betty had placed a call to her local pharmacy that would be responsible for delivering these drugs. Oddly, the pharmacy has no record of Betty's call and was not helpful in explaining why Betty would have placed a call to the pharmacy prior to her disappearance. What is even stranger is that one box of fentanyl patches was missing after Betty's disappearance, but the rest were accounted for 
except like one box was found in the trash. There were two white envelopes with $100 cash in each. And this is especially strange because Betty's daughter helps like manage her money and Betty never withdrew cash from her bank account. That's fucking weird. Yeah, so like there are a lot of like really weird details that make you go, okay, this is not a case of dementia first off. And what is like fentanyl patches like used for? Okay, so fentanyl is a very serious pain medication. It's actually, like, one of the drugs that you hear of people being like, I touched a tiny bit and fucking died. Yeah, see, that's what I'm thinking. Like, a bunch of, like, weed or whatever is, like, drugged with fentanyl, and I'm just like, okay. Yeah, like, this drug is actually more addictive than heroin, so you're typically going to see it in, like, senior people that we are less worried about addiction because they're to the point where it's, like, it's that or nothing, you know? Yeah, okay. That makes sense. But yeah, this is a very heavily abused drug. So it's very concerning that, like, one, some of it's missing. And also, why does grandma have some cash that is not accounted for? And, like, somebody had to have called the pharmacy. Exactly. Like, why do they have no record of Betty talking to anybody when she clearly called them? The pharmacy did it. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the theories, and we'll kind of get into that a little bit more, too. Don't trust Big Pharma. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do delivery. The biggest red flag to the family is that Betty's glasses were left on the arm of her chair. This is very concerning because Betty is not capable of functioning without her glasses because her vision is like very poor like if i'm missing without my glasses it really isn't a huge deal because i can see fairly well but like if my husband went missing without his glasses i'd be pretty concerned because his vision is just like really bad yeah minus two i can't see shit but don't come and kill me though like (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't advertise that you're blind yeah i take that back (laughs) she can see very well 2020 Not only were her glasses left, so was her meal that was delivered from Meals on Wheels, and she hadn't taken, like, a single bite. Her dentures were left by the sink, and her purse was still hanging in her closet with her apartment key and wallet. All the clues tell us that Betty was not prepared to leave the apartment that night. Her exit was not planned. Of course. As the case unfolds, investigators and media initially determined that this is a case of an elderly dementia patient just being confused and walking away. However, based on everything she did that day and has been capable of recently suggests to me that it is highly unlikely that Betty significantly declined within a few hours of her day to the point that she went from gardening to wandering the streets. Like, I'm not saying it can't happen, but from my experience working on a dementia ward, the changes are typically slow over time, especially during the first stages. Not to mention the especially strange detail that Meals on Wheels had noticed from Wednesday until Sunday. Her door would be left ajar on Friday and locked again prior to Sunday. If the doors are unlocked, then Meals on Wheels always goes in, but if they are locked, then the Meals on Wheels do not enter. Betty wasn't reported missing until Sunday when I'm assuming her daughter came to pick her up for that shopping trip after church like they had planned. What is somewhat interesting to me is that Betty's son Dave typically visits her on Thursdays, but on this particular week he decided to visit her uncle Jerry in the same apartment complex instead, never stopping by Betty's apartment until that Sunday. I mean, what are the chances, especially considering we know that the uncle had noticed Betty's lights were off on Wednesday at 7 p.m., which was very unusual for her to go to bed during that time. 
why had nobody checked on Betty? Between meals on wheels, physical therapy visits going unanswered, and the uncle seeing strange behavior in a recently diagnosed dementia patient? Like, you'd think those little things would be like, hey, maybe we should check on that family member. But, I mean, obviously we know that hindsight is twenty twenty. That is so hard. Like, ugh, I don't even know what to say to that because... I don't know. Everything about this kind of seems sketchy at this point. Yeah, there's a little too much going on for me to even consider that Betty just wandered off. Yeah, and also, let's stop, like... Like, please have it so fucking easy. Like, as soon as I see a dementia patient, that's the first answer they always give. Yeah, like, oh, they just wandered off somewhere. It's like, typically, if they did wander off, we are going to find them within the first 24 hours. Yeah, and also, if she is, like, first stages, like, that's, like, super low odds for her to wander off at that point. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely sounds like the daughter had, like, a really good handle on, like, where she was, if she was doing okay in an apartment, and, like, yeah, they had plans for her to move in with her daughter, but it wasn't because she was declining, it's just because her husband passed away, so I don't know. There's, there's too much in this case for them to just be like, you know, whatever. Yeah, there's a lot happening, like, all of it seems sketchy at this Mm -hmm. point, like, all of y'all did something. Yeah, it does. Eventually, cadaver dogs were brought on scene, but the dogs were mostly unhelpful. They tracked Betty's son from the apartment to the parking lot. Multiple dogs were brought in on multiple occasions, and it was still a dead end. With that being said, I did read one commenter on Reddit stating that there was actually one dog who led them to an abandoned building behind the apartment in the woods. However, I was never able to find any legitimate sources confirming this accusation. What we know definitively is that the dogs consistently tracked to the apartment's parking lot, implying that Betty likely left in a vehicle. Infrared drones were used in the search for Betty, and investigators went door-to-door hoping to find any information on what happened to Betty that day. Still, they turned up empty-handed. We know that, like, if somebody takes somebody to, like, a second location... The odds are even smaller. Exactly, yeah. So there are some people that are like, hey, maybe like she was held in that abandoned building because like there are a few sightings like the days after of her in town, which we'll go over shortly. So they think maybe like she escaped, you know, and was like trying to find help but couldn't or something. Mm-hmm. There weren't many signs of forced entry aside from a slash on the glass door and the position of Betty's eyeglasses were like slightly askew to how she would set them on the armchair. There was also like a cap to a syringe found outside, but it is really difficult for anyone to link that to the crime. I mean, after all, I've seen so many syringes just walking around like lower class areas of Grand Rapids. That can literally just be a normal part of a city. The slash on the glass door, like, her daughter should be able to pick that out, though. Yeah, the slash on, like, a glass door is kind of, like, a big thing to me, though. Because, like, how much force do you have to use on a glass door to, like, actually make, like, a significant mark? Oh, when you were saying, like, slash on the glass door, I was thinking, like, there was, like, screen in front of the glass door. No, like, they actually, like, yeah, like, the glass is actually, like damaged like it's it's like scratched like significantly yeah so like i don't know i don't know what that would entail i don't like know if maybe they were like trying to get her out of the door and something happened because i mean obviously you're not slashing glass to try and get in like that doesn't make any sense yeah that would be too difficult yeah that's stupid i mean i'm i guess a lot of murderers and people kidnapping people are pretty stupid though yeah i don't know if you're a murderer let us know <laughs> yeah it is up in the comments <laughs> we 
totally won't report you. By May, the case was going cold and the daughter became restless. Wanting to know what happened to her beloved mother, she was devastated. Endlessly seeking closure had become exhausting, but she wasn't giving up. She hired a private investigator who gained access to the apartment to look over for like clues that may have been missed. There are no reports on if the investigator found any additional clues that were missed by investigators. However, his visit would be the last time anyone was ever able to search the apartment for clues because later that day the apartment was ransacked by none other than Betty's own family. Betty's sons, John and Dave, and his wife, Kathy, gained access into the apartment without permission. They went through the apartment, potentially ruining the scene for any future investigations. They removed Betty's personal items from the apartment, including the fentanyl patches. When they had finished, they changed the locks. See, I knew it was John. (laughs) So here's the thing, too. Like, Dave didn't visit her on Thursday like he does every single Thursday, but he went and saw Uncle Jerry in the same apartment. Yeah, that was my thing. Oh, I got it mixed up. Yeah, Dave, you're the one. No, I'm just kidding. But, like, that is sketchy. And then they just take everything after she goes missing. Like, I get they have to... Yeah, they took, like, all of her personal items, too. Like, very little was left in the apartment. And, like, the fentanyl patches, those should have been given back to the pharmacy broskies. Yeah, those are so fucking dangerous, and they're just, like, taking a shit ton of them. That's kind of a problem. The police should have, like, went after them. (laughs) They should have been, like, nah. (laughs) Why weren't those in evidence? (laughs) Yeah, considering, like, like, so many people are dying from it right now. I didn't even think about that. Why the hell was her shit not in evidence? Now they just got fucking patches. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is kind of a failure from the police because, like, well, I mean, I guess in a way maybe they're thinking she's just going to stroll back home, though. Because initially they're, like, yeah, they're looking for her. They're doing everything they can to find her because it's still, like, an endangered adult, you know? But, like, I don't think they thought anything serious happened at this time, too, when they first, like, investigated. So I guess maybe they're like, well, let's not take her medication. What if she comes home and needs it? I suppose. Well, like, how long was this, though? This is, like, a month later. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like at that point they should have nixed the dementia theory. Yeah, I feel feel like after a month it's like, okay, this person's, like, actually missing. (laughs) After, like, two fucking days I would be like, something (laughs) happened. Like, shit, I don't know. They haven't came back yet. Maybe they're fucking missing. (laughs) Apparently, during their visit, they had made a lot of noise. A neighbor called Betty's daughter, letting her know that there was a small water can with flowers and they had noticed an unfamiliar car. The daughter called the investigator to let him know what was going on and went straight to the apartment. Upon arrival, she discovered her key no longer worked in the lock. This was especially concerning, and she immediately alerted the police as well. The police did find a key under the mat and were able to access the apartment to find that it had been cleared out. The daughter tried to contact her siblings via phone call and text. They never returned her attempts to reach out. Later on, the daughter removed the few things left of her mother and rented out the apartment to her uncle, Jerry. Nah, they for sure just wanted her shit. And it's just so bizarre to me, though, because it's like, it just seems like if it was drug-related, they would have just, like, taken her meds. Like, she's an old lady. What is she gonna do about it? They probably wanted all of her shit in the apartment. Like, I don't know if there was anything valuable. It really doesn't sound like they had much, though. This is, like, one of those, like, senior... I'm assuming it's one of those senior living apartments that are pretty small. You know, like, just to get you by. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds kind of weird. 
But I honestly, I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, drug addicts can be very crazy, especially with fentanyl. So, I mean, maybe they really did just do it for some fucking pain patches. Maybe somebody was tired of having to take care of her. Yeah, that could be it too. Which is really sad because it seems like the daughter was taking care of her. And, I mean, she's doing a good job and nobody else had to really do anything. Yeah, like, the daughter was, she was literally gonna move her into the, her house, so. Yeah, so it's just very strange to me. I really don't know. The private investigator was useful and he was able to find some witnesses. The witnesses were Fidelity employees and they had seen her the day after her disappearance. She was standing in the road, staring at the fire station. They reported she looked very confused. So this would have been like her final, I don't want to say existence. What the fuck am I trying to say? This would have been the final sighting for her, which is very strange. I mean, she's like just standing in the road, like staring at a fire station. Yeah. And I don't know if I saw somebody doing that, I would definitely call the police or be like, hey, is everything okay? (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that weird to you? Like how people like don't want to get involved in stuff. Like if somebody's standing in the middle of the fucking road and first off, they're old as shit, like, come on. And they're just staring Like, maybe call somebody. Maybe don't be that person who just ignores it. (laughs) Yeah, like, I probably wouldn't have, like, approached her or something, but I definitely would have, like, kept an eye on her and called the police. Yeah, like, I probably would have approached her, honestly, and just asked if she was okay. But, like, yeah, stuff like that screams human trafficking and also, like, you know, dementia. And, I mean, there is a theory, like I said, that she maybe, like, escaped them and was just confused from escaping. Like, we really don't know what happened. Right. So, let's get into the theories of what could have happened to Betty Alexander. But let's remember that Betty is still missing and that these are just theories to get people thinking about her case. We do not know what happened to Betty. And if you have any information, we urge you to call and report it right away to the Sullivan Police Department at 573-468-8001 or call anonymously at 573-860-5637. There is a reward for any information Like, literally, even the smallest bit of information could be the reason they solved this case. We should go over there and start looking for Betty. That could be... I was gonna say fun, but then it felt weird. (laughs) That could be fun. Um, (laughs) Could be an adventure. Yeah, that's the right word. (laughs) I mean, that still sounds really (laughs) fucked up. Yeah. If you know, you know, okay? We don't have to explain ourselves to you. Yeah, okay. One theory is that Betty was selling her fentanyl. I keep trying to say it funky. Well, it's spelled stupid. It is, and it's getting me. One theory is that Betty was selling her fentanyl and decided to tell the buyer she was no longer interested in selling. This caused the buyer to become angry and take Betty and a box of fentanyl in the process. However, I have a hard time believing this theory. A drug addict is likely to rummage through the home and take any valuables along with all of the fentanyl not just like a single box. Her family believes this is very unlikely as they do not believe she would have known anyone to even sell the drugs to. But fentanyl is more addictive than heroin, so for all we know, she could have been, like, coerced into selling them. Yeah, and I I agree with you. Like, they would have taken all of it. And, like, I don't know. I don't feel like they would have taken Betty. Like, that. Yeah, they would have, like, rummaged. Our second theory plays off the first theory. Some believe that maybe the pharmacy delivery man had nicked one of the boxes and had only delivered one box in an attempt to stealthily steal from the elderly, hoping she wouldn't notice that one box was missing. Perhaps when she called the pharmacy, she was reporting the missing box, and the delivery man came back after finding out he had been reported. 
This theory seems somewhat plausible, but I find it difficult to believe there wouldn't be, like, signs of a struggle if Betty was taken by someone she didn't know. I mean, this does kind of play into, like, how they didn't have record of her calling or whatever. Yeah, it would kind of explain why there was suddenly no record. Others believe that the fentanyl was just like a red herring and that it just happened on the same night that she was abducted and that they are completely unrelated. I mean, how many cases have we seen where the abduction is completely random? It does happen, and it's very real. Still, I come back to the fact that if she was abducted by someone she didn't know, you'd think there would be, like, signs of a struggle. Yeah, I think I think that's my theory. That brings us to our third theory. Someone she knew had something to do with it. I really hate, like, pointing fingers at the family and friends, but something just isn't right in this entire situation. If there are no signs of a struggle, I truly believe that a family member, a friend, or an acquaintance are the culprits. We already have the suspicious behavior of the sons clearing out her apartment. Dave also did not visit her like he did on every Thursday, instead going to see Jerry in the same apartment complex. This feels like he knew she wasn't there. Plus, there were so many signs, and neither Dave nor Jerry checked in on her. I mean, Jerry noticed her lights off at a suspicious time. Many people noticed this woman was missing. Yet somehow not a single one communicated concerns until the daughter's return. Not to mention there are reports that photos of Dave, Kathy, and Jerry were found in the complex dumpster indicating that perhaps the falling out had happened and Betty threw them away in anger or, I mean, like, someone else, like, threw them away for her. Yeah, and them taking the drugs was, was like, kind of like a cherry on top. That was totally, like, a huge sign to me. Like, oh, hey, we're just gonna, like, take these drugs now that you're fucking gone. And they only waited, like, a month. Yeah, it's super weird. And, like, the fact that they didn't say anything to Tanya... And just changed the locks. Yeah, and she's, like, the person that pays for the apartment still, hoping that her mom would come back. Yeah, that's fucking weird. They need to investigate them a little bit farther. They really fucking do. Not to mention it makes sense that family would be involved, because it is reported that Betty did not have many in her life outside of her family. Her visitors were limited to physical therapy, pharmacy deliveries, and meals on wheels. So, like, we don't even have that many people we could, like, blame. Yeah, but I definitely agree. Like, there was no signs of struggle. It seemed like she left willingly at first. I don't know. I mean, she did leave everything, but who knows what happened. And the final theory is that perhaps the maintenance man who was working in her apartment could have had something to do with her disappearance. Perhaps he noticed the patches and made an attempt to steal them. Or maybe he offhandedly mentioned the patches to his son, who was a recovering addict. He could have stolen the master key and entered her apartment. The maintenance man was fired shortly after Betty's disappearance, but the apartment complex has stated it is unrelated. So, like, that's kind of a weird tidbit, you know, for him to be fired. It's also weird, like, mentioning the patches to his son, who is a recovering addict. Like, that is way too specific. Yeah, I don't think, like, uh father would go home and be like hey son i know you're a recovering addict but this bitch has fentolin in her apartment yeah that's just not something like you talk about even no, if he like, was a shitty dad yeah even yeah. if he was a shitty dad it's just it's that's weird, just weird. <laughs> so i don't really think there's much to that you know theory there but i mean it's something to know like these are the few people that would have seen her you know but yeah i definitely just I really think that maybe one of her family members busted in and made up a fake emergency to get her out of her apartment very quickly, and they wanted something from her, so they maybe murdered her. 
I know that her daughter no longer believes she's alive. It's gotta be hard, and I hope the police get on this shit. Yeah, like, she made a public statement just saying, like, at this point, I don't think she's alive. Like, I obviously hope and pray that she is, because I want to see my mom again, but I think that she was taken by somebody. Yeah, which it shouldn't be like that, but... Yeah, I mean, I hope so too. But at this point, we are two years from when Betty went missing. So, you know, it's one of those things where we really need exposure on this case to maybe get the police doing something because we know damn well they don't like to do shit unless media gets on their ass. So anyways, don't kidnap your family. Yeah, (laughs) that's the theory. Don't kidnap your family and spread this message around. Let's try and get justice for Betty. Let's share this one and try to get people talking about it because very few podcasts have done this. Like, none of the larger ones have, so I think it's definitely worth sharing and, like, trying to get her story out there. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye.